You glad to be here this morning? Amen. Uh, I tell you, don't you just love worshiping the Lord? It's such a wonderful time just to just to worship Him. And, and if you're a first-time guest, well, welcome home. Um, I'm just going to say that prophetically. <laughs> um, and so as, uh, as you walk through the door, you may have seen... Um, a, a phrase on the wall that says, Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. Man, well, that's what we believe in here. That's what we, uh, uh, that's our focus, that's our mission, and uh, uh, that's what we are desiring to do, amen, is to know God in a deeper way. And, w- and as you know God, there's a freedom that, that, you begin to experience the deeper you know God, and you discover that freedom, and while you discover that freedom, you discover purpose. It's good to have purpose, amen. If without purpose, we're just wandering around aimlessly, amen, like we do in the grocery store when we don't have a list. We just wander around aimlessly, and you're like, you know, my wife sends me to go get milk, and I go to the grocery store, and I just wander aimlessly, and I pick up cereal, and I pick up bread, and I pick up uh, vanilla ice cream, because uh, that's kind of milk. Um, it's got milk in it. And I get home, and I'm all excited. Look what I got. And she's like, where's the milk? Well, I'll be right back. <laughs> got to go back and get the milk. <laughs> we can wander aimlessly in life sometimes, and, and, uh, but here at Life City, our hope is you can discover your purpose and, and attach yourself to something greater than just us. Amen. When you do that, man, there is, there is fulfillment in life. Amen. And, and you find it in, in other things. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, somebody said, I, I saw it the other day, they said, it takes 90 gallons of water to baptize a Christian, but only nine drops of rain to keep them home. And uh, so, <laughs> and so, I'm glad that the, we got a little bit more than nine drops of rain yesterday. Um, but I'm glad it didn't keep you home this morning. And so, uh, I'm glad you're here and worshiping with us. And uh, I believe the Lord's gonna gonna do a, a good thing in our life and our heart today. Amen. How many of you ever heard the story of the prodigal son? Anybody ever heard that story? Yeah, I figured you had. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, and I'm just going to read one verse in that whole story that kind of just stands out to me, and we're going to kind of focus on that this morning. I want to show you a few things that the Lord just kind of began to speak to me about uh, what took place here. Now, the verse we're going to read is kind of um, somewhere about the middle of what took place. So, you know, the this father had two sons, and one of the sons says, I want my inheritance, and he takes his inheritance, and he goes, and he squanders it, um, and he goes, and he just, he blows his inheritance on riotous living, as the Bible says, and that covers a whole um, gauntlet of lifestyles, <laughs> riotous living, and uh, in my early 20s, I, um, I had some of that, and the Lord helped me. And uh, brought me out of that riotous living <laughs> and uh, frivolous living. But uh, so he goes and he spends, he spends all of his inheritance on this riotous living. And he finds himself hanging out with the hogs. And uh, not motorcycles, but literal 
hogs. And, uh, and so he's, he's eating the slop uh, that the hogs are eating, and he realizes, hey, uh, Houston, uh, we have a problem. <laughs> because even the servants in my father's house eat better than I do. They have clean clothes better than I do. They smell better than I do. And so something's wrong. And so he determines, and the Bible says he comes to himself. You ever had that aha moment? In, in your life, you were going maybe wandering aimlessly, and in a moment's time, you went, ah, oh, the light bulb, ding, came on, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not living really the best life. You know, that's a saying now. They're living their best life. Man, well, that's what happened to this young man. He's, I'm not living my best life. The servants in my father's house are living better than me. And so he gets up and he makes his way down the road to home. And you know the story is he's coming, he's rehearsing. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. And you know what? I love this story because I identify with it so much. <laughs> Because it brings me back to my childhood when I did something stupid, and there was a lot of stupid moments in my childhood, <laughs> and I knew I was going to get in trouble when, I, when Dad got home, and so I would rehearse, like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. It wasn't my fault, and this is the reason it wasn't my fault, and I would go through this whole rehearsal, and I would say, okay, this, man, and I would, like, convince myself, that's a really good explanation of that stupid act. And I would be like, oh, yeah, Dad's totally going to buy this. And he never did. I don't know what his problem was. But so I, I identify with that, you know, because we do that, right? Even with the Lord, we, we do something stupid. And we're like, okay, well, see, what happened was um, I got around wrong friends, and I got this. And, and the Lord's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so that's what happens. And so he gets home. And he walks up, and his father sees him. And this is the thing to remember. Your father's always watching for you. Always. He's always got his eye on the road that you left him on. Because he understands. The Bible tells us there's only one road back. And so he watches that road day in and day out. And just like this father, as he saw his son, how many of you that have children, have grown children, can see your kids from afar off and you know it's them because of the way they walk? You know, they may walk with a, a sway or they may walk with a limp or whatever they may walk with, but you know it's them. My wife knows it's me because she, all she, she, don't, she, looks, she looks from my waist down because if it's bow-legged, like, yep, that's my husband. Looks like a bulldog, bow-legged as a bulldog, knees won't ever touch. Unless they're broke. <laughs> and so she knows. She knows me. She don't have to see my face. She knows it's me from afar off, you know. And the father sees this silhouette, and he knew it was his son. And instead of just standing there waiting for his son to get all the way back, he runs to his son, and he hugs him, and he kisses him. That's the beautiful thing about the story. And then in verse 22, we pick up. The story, and he says, but the father said to his servants, because after what happened, as soon as the son gets there, he's like, Dad, let me give my spiel. 
this is what happened. This is why I did this, and this is. And he goes through this whole thing, and his father just sits there. And his father doesn't even respond to what the son said. He didn't even say, oh, you know, okay, well, you're going to be grounded for this, and you're going to be No, no, no. He, he said, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And, and what I want to kind of just talk to you today about is the connection, the direct connection between uh, what baptism is and, and this, this verse right here. Uh, because there is a direct connection between the two. Uh, because what we realize is none of these three things here that are listed in this verse were necessities for this boy. None of them were necessities. He didn't have to bring him a new robe. He didn't have to put the ring on his hand, and he didn't have to put sandals on his shoes. But he chose to. The reason he chose to was because all of these were done to reveal the father's love and compassion that he still had for the son. Despite the mistakes, despite the blown inheritance, despite walking away from his father's house prematurely, despite all of those things, he wanted the son to realize, I still love you. And it's, it, it's, it's Romans 8, 38 and 39 in action. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what we have to understand. That's why when we walk by people in Walmart or the new uh, HEB, and uh, how many are excited about that? Everybody, yeah. How many of you have been? I haven't. I'm going next month. And so uh, after cr- crowd dies down, but no matter who you walk by, we have to understand nobody is too far gone. Now you're thinking in your head, oh, I don't know. Pastor, I know some characters. <laughs> I, know, I know some people. But you know what? Just like the father stood at the front of, or, or the, at the entrance of his house looking for us, however long ago it was, he stands there looking for all of those. And just as he ran to us when we started making our way back, he'll run to them. And just the same as he clothed us, just the same as he did those things for us, he'll do the same for them. And so when we realize that and we realize nobody's too far gone, nobody has went down a road that that is so far, that is so dark and that's so gloomy and so hopeless that God's light can't shine in the darkness. And that's what we've got to understand is his light can always brighten the darkest path. Amen. And so... The father didn't have to do these things, but out of love and compassion, he did these. And, and so uh, taking the first thing he did, he, he says, bring me the best robe. Uh, the reason he did that was because the boy had returned in rags, and they stunk, kind of like we did. Not right now, but <laughs> kind of like we did. When we came back to the Lord or when you came to the Lord the first time, uh, you were ragged. How many would testify to that? I, I, w- I was pretty ragged. Uh, 
my clothes were torn by poor choices, and my, my clothes were ripped because of, uh, of, of, of all of these things. And so we came back to the Father, and we came wearing rags of poor choices and, and guilty pleasures and fleshly desires, and all those things led us. And we came back, and we came to him. We were ragged, rugged, and stinky. That's my kid. That stinks like a stunk. And that's what our life was. You know why? Because sin. Sin stinks in the nostrils of God. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And that's why whenever we see God move in somebody's life, the first order of business when God comes in is to deal with the sin. Because it's oil and water, God will not fill a life that is full of something other than him. And so when we come to him, and, and this is what baptism's all about. It's about a cleansing. It's about a washing. It's about an emptying out so he can fill us. And it's about a reconnection or a connection for the very first time. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and the Father understands that those rags that you were wearing or are wearing... Those are who you were. That's not who you are because, you see, he made you to be something better than the person wearing the rags of poor choices. He made you, and he destined something in your life that was, more, that was greater than just what, 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 what life has left you in and, and, and the things that life has, has torn apart in your life. He has something greater for you. He has something not just, that's not just going to change your garments. But he desires to adorn you with a covering. See, that's the beautiful thing. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know the verse. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. What is passed away? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's why he changed his robe. He says, no, no, no. We're not going to identify with the son that made the mistakes anymore. You're, you're, you're not going to be identified as the son that squandered your, your inheritance. You're not going to be identified as the son that made all these mistakes. No, no, no. We're going to change those clothes, and we're going we're gonna to cast away all the old things, and we're going to put a new robe on on you. We're going to put the best robe on you because what I have before you, no matter what has happened previously, what, what, what you did, what, what was going on, that doesn't matter now. You are back in the Father's house. And when you step back into the Father's house, he, he, he wants us to understand that there is a new robe, that he, there is a new covering, there is a new connection, and that covering is the blood of Jesus Christ on your life, and it covers us, and, it, and it, it's the beauty of his holiness when we're covered under the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? And that's the beauty of this thing. The power of baptism is ensuring that you and your sins are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the new covenant. He said, take of this, my blood that was shed for you, which is the new covenant. You see, that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is about reconnecting with the vine. 
It's reconnecting with the one who saved me, the one that, that, that has forgiven me. That's what baptism was all about. That's why it's so beautiful. And, and whether or not you've been disconnected from that or whether it's been a long time since you've made a recommitment to him, that's why I mentioned if, if anybody here desires to be rebaptized, maybe it's been a long time ago that you were baptized and and maybe life has thrown and you're, you're coming now and, and you feel like all you've got to offer are rags. Well, that's okay because that's what he does. He says in Isaiah 61, he, he, he says, I'm going to give you what? The oil of joy and, 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 and I'm going to take away your heaviness and I'm going to give you garments of praise. Amen. That's what he does. He changes our garments because the old has got to pass away. And the new that he has in store for you has got, is, is going to be born. I mean, how many like new things? I love new things. I bought five boxes of new golf balls the other day. And I was like a kid in camp. They came in, and that, that happy, wonderful Amazon man came, and he brought me that box with a smile on it, and it made me smile. And I was, I was away from the house, and, and my phone came on, and my, my Vivint, uh, video doorbell came on, and it's like, you have a visitor? And I'm like, oh, and I looked, and it was this man carrying this box with a smile on it, and it made me smile because I knew what was in it. I mean, it's golf balls. It sounds dumb, but I got excited. I was like, woohoo! now I got to go hit them. <laughs> and so, you know, new things make us, and the thing is, what God has in store for you is so much greater the new things that God has in store for you is so much greater than a new house and a new car, than, than new golf balls and, or whatever you're into. It, it, it has so much because there's promise in the new things of God. There's blessing in the new things of God. There's, there's fulfillment in the new things of God. And if I just stay in the old, I'll live my life in ragged, rugged garments. And, I, and God's desiring to draw me back into the Father's house. And he's drawing and he's wanting to change my garment so that I can put on the garments of praise and so that my life will exalt him. And when people see me, they're like, hey, something's different. Yeah, I got a new coat. Amen. They're like, hey, have anybody ever told you that when you, man, you, you feel like you enter into a new level with the Lord and you go back to work and they're like, they're looking at you sideways. They're like, something different. Did you get a new hairdo? Like, no, this ain't a new hairdo. <laughs> I got a new robe. I got a new garment. The Father has adorned me. You see, when that's the beautiful, beautiful thing. When we come to him and we glorify him, he will adorn us with things of beauty and things of blessing and things of promise. Amen. And I'm not up here preaching prosperity, and, and, and I'm not a prosperity preacher. Say, if you'll give uh, $100 today, by the time you get home, there will be $1,000 in your mailbox. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. But I know there is a principle in the Word of God that if I will give my life to Him, and I will come to Him, no matter what my rags are, He will take my rags, and He will give me beautiful riches of glory and of adornment from Him. Amen. And when I am adorned by the Lord and when I am adorned by him, the world will take notice. 
Amen. Because I can adorn myself and it, I just look like every other person. But when the Lord adorns me, there is an oil of joy that begins to flow out of my life. There is a light that begins to shine out of me. And it's not what necessarily I have on as far as clothes, but it's what's burning on the inside that's coming through. And he's desiring to use that to impact the world. Man, because your office or your workplace may be a dark place and he desires to adorn you with the light and the ro the, his robe of righteousness so that when you walk back in there, those people take notice. And I promise you, when you allow him to do that, they will take notice. Amen. You know, because God can give you favor. Anybody ever felt the favor of the Lord? Amen. It's a real thing. Solomon talked about it. He talked about it in chapter 3. He says, you will have favor with God and man. I don't know how many times in my life where I've walked into situations and God gave me favor and I got a job I was not all the way qualified for or God shown favor. Just the other day, I was way up in Tioga and I was inspecting this house up in Tioga and, um, and I was there and, and I met this, the listing agent was there with the buyers and we were talking and and she asked me, she said, hey, she said, you know, w would you be interested in doing an inspection on another horse property somewhere else? And I said, I said, well, sure. You know, she's, well, how would you do this? So we were talking and, and I was like, man, I've met the, the, I've known this lady for like two minutes, literally. And she goes, you know, I don't know what it is about you. I just met you, but I trust you. And immediately I said, no, that's not me. That's not Tim Dunn. That's the favor of the Lord. And I'm not here trying to pat myself on the back. I just want to show you what God can do. And I know there's many of you that could raise your hand and you could testify all day long of God's favor in your life. And when we come to him and we let him robe us and we let him adorn us and we let him wrap us up, there is an adornment and there is, an, a, there is a favor that follows us everywhere we go. And doors that were previously closed can open because we have been adorned by our our heavenly father and we have been adorned by his grace and his mercy amen it's a beautiful thing amen amen so that's what took place and uh, when we are baptized uh, that the baptism is a covering and that covering is active and powerful in our life isaiah uh, 61 10 says i will greatly rejoice in the lord my soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You see, that's what it's about. He will adorn you to, uh, for his purpose. He will adorn you to accomplish his purpose on earth. Not so everybody look at you and say how handsome you are and how pretty you are. No, no, no. It's for his purpose. Amen. And you will be adorned by his, with his robe of righteousness and his, and that's why 
the robe of righteousness is a lot like the breastplate of righteousness. Why is the righteousness of God associated with the breastplate? Because it guards our heart. Yeah. And that's why it's the first thing the father said, hey, I know, get these ragged clothes off of you. Let, let's get rid of all that old stuff and it because it stinks really bad. Man, kind of like when I drove up this morning, I got out and it felt like a skunk was right beside me. And I was like, dear God. And it was terrible. And I was like, well, great. Everybody's going to come to church today and it's going to smell like a skunk. And came to church and sat on the front row. And so, uh, but uh, he gets all that, that stinky stank stuff off of us. And, and he, he adorns us with the robe of his righteousness. Because his righteousness guards us. His righteousness covers us. And it's, his righteousness is powered by the blood of Jesus Christ that makes you worthy. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm worthy because of his righteousness. And, and so this covering is the beauty of baptism. And so the next thing the father does is he puts a ring on his finger. And uh, on his hand. And the ring, and I've talked about it many times, the ring is a signet ring. And it represents a certain uh, aspect of the Father's house. It represents the Father's name. Amen? It represents the Father's name. Um, there's a lot of different, you can Google signet rings and you can look up the history of those things. Uh, the signet ring you may have seen in a movie or whatever, uh, that, that the king or, or the father of the house or the, the lord of the house would use that signet ring and he would dip it in, in, uh, in wax, in hot wax, and he would use it as a seal for documents. He would use it as a seal f for to send a letter or a document out from, uh, from his place to somewhere else. And so it, it, it acted as a seal because if it had the seal of the king or the Lord or the father of the house or the name of the house, if it had that seal, it carried the authority. Yeah. And you see, when we come back, and this is why it's so, so cool, when we come back to the Lord and he puts his robe on us and, and we're baptized in his wonderful name and we come up, there is a name that is associated with us and the name of the Father has now been applied to our life and when you walk around with the name of the Father associated with your life and that seal of approvement and that seal is on your life, you walk in his authority. He transfers that authority of the Father to you. And I'm not just walking around here as Tim Dunn. No, I'm walking around here as Tim Dunn, son of God. I am a child of the king. I am his son. And when I carry that forward, I walk with his authority. Amen. And that's what's so beautiful about the baptism and so necessary. And that's why we see throughout uh, throughout uh, the Gospels and the book of Acts, they said they talked about baptism so much. It's not, it's not just something that we should do. It's something that we must do. You see, because I need that covering and I need that authority in my life and I can't separate the two. You see, I can't operate with his authority and vo with being void of his covering. 
Say, oh, I want the ring, but I don't want the robe. No, 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 no. You see, the ring and the robe go hand in hand. They go together because if I operate in his authority without his covering, I will hurt myself or hurt others. And I'll speak things that I have no authority over. And I'll try to take authority and dominion over things that I, and the enemy that I try to take authority over will just laugh at me because he's not concerned if I'm not covered. I have, no, I have no authority over the spirits of hell and the spirit of fear and the spirit of depression that come into my home if I am not covered by his righteousness. There must be a covering before I can operate in his authority. And so I've got to let him adorn me first, and then i got to allow him to place his authority in my life. Amen. And covering only happens and authority only happens if we are under submission to him. You see, if I return to the Father's house but still continue to direct my life, if I return to the Father's house but still try to live my life like I always have, and if I still try to make all the decisions and I still choose the same way of making those decisions, then all I'm doing is walking around the Father's house. I'm not truly being submitted to his authority and his covering. Amen. And that's what baptism is. It's showing the Lord, Lord, I submit my life to you. I take my hands off the rein and I give you control of my life. And I allow my life to be buried in this baptism the same way you were buried in that tomb that day. So that when I come up out of that water, there is a resurrection of life that can take place. That's why this whole weekend is called Raised to Life because there is a resurrection that he desires to bring about in every single life here. Amen. And that's the wonderful thing is, is that bearing. Romans 6 verse 3 talks about, he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You see, and you've probably heard this, his death, burial, and resurrection it, were done to save us, but to also give us an example of what we must do. His death is our repentance. If there is no repentance, there can be no forgiveness. Amen. If I'm not sorry for my sins, I'll just continue in my sins. Amen. And I'll just continue and continue and continue. Amen. I've got to reach a point where I say I'm tired of this life. Amen. That's what it, that's the first thing. That's when that son sitting there hanging out with the pigs and stinking and eating the corn husk, he realized, wait a second. I don't have to live like this. Amen. And he says, I'm going to get up. And that getting up and heading back to the Father's house was an act of repentance. He said, I'm not going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to turn my back. In the military, they call it an about face. You do an about face, and it's a 180, not a 360. Because if you do a 360, you're just going back the way you just came. Okay, just to make that clear. I've heard preachers, you got to do a 360. No, 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 no. Divide that by two. <laughs> 180. <laughs> Turn around, get down, pick a bell of cotton. That, you know, and so <laughs> you just, you, you get, it's a 180 because I've got to turn my back on those things that I was doing. 
and I've got to return back and put my face toward the Father's house and, and align myself once again with his purpose and his desire and his plans for my life. And when I do that, the Father waits with open arms. Amen. And he, and he continues in verse 4 of Romans 6. He says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How many want that newness of life? It's a beautiful thing. Amen. So being buried with him activates the power to also be raised with him. I can't be raised if I'm not first buried. Amen. I can't have newness of life if I'm not buried, and I can't be buried if I haven't died. So if I don't have repentance, that's why Peter, when, he, when, when they come out of the upper room and, and man, they, all kinds of craziness was going on, and the people were like, what in the world is happening here? And, and they were like, man, this is, this is that which was prophesied by the, by the prophet Joel saying he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And they said, well, what do we have to do? And Peter said, I'm glad you asked. And he stood up among them. He, and he says, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal of your sins. Old things have to be torn off. Behold, all things become new. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. That's what, that's what it was all about. That's the beauty of this whole thing. If I, if to, to be buried, I've got to die. And if I'll die and I'll be buried with him, then I will have that resurrection of life with him. And I can walk in the new things and the new blessings and the new power that God has in store for me. You know why? Because the Heavenly Father desires that. The Heavenly Father stands waiting. And so we are buried in baptism, and through the alignment of our baptism, the authority of our Heavenly Father is activated in us to pardon us from our sins and to cleanse us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. For the builders... Which has be are by, by you the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and then he says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. That's the beautiful thing. The name of Jesus has the power to forgive and to cleanse and to empower and to that authority is transferred because now I'm not just anybody. I am a son of the king. He is my king. He is my, and, and, and I have a heavenly father who has bestowed his authority and his covering upon my life. And so I'm not just out there walking unequipped and unempowered, but I am empowered because I now stand under the authority and the power of the father. Amen. And that's the beautiful thing of baptism. And I, I cannot walk in the embrace of his covering without having his name applied to my life. And the last thing he gave the son were the shoes. And the shoes represent the grace of the father. It is, it is grace 
that every day we stayed away from the Father's house kept him looking down that road. It is grace that as we made our way back down the road, the Father began to run to us with open arms. The sandals were an offering of peace. Because when you look in Ephesians chapter 6, and it goes through the armor of God, he says, let your feet be shod. Now, all of you that have horses understand what shodding is, the purpose of it. But if you don't understand, it's a protection for the tenderness on the bottom of the feet. It protects that tender part on the horse's hoof or whatever you're shodding because there is a tenderness of our f- on the bottom of our feet. So, how many of you are ticklish on your feet? Somebody touches your feet, you horse kick them like, don't touch me on the bottom of my feet. My wife hates feet, so if I even like put a toe on her, she's like, get them nasty things off of me. Man, I don't know why. My feet are ugly, but they ain't nasty. But you see, there's a tenderness to the bottom of our feet. And he says, where you're going, you're going to tread on the enemy. He says, where I want to take you, where I'm going to position you, you're going to be walking into places that are dark. He says, so I want to give you. And that's why as, as we put on the armor of God, he says, have your feet shod with what? The preparation of the gospel of peace. What we are carrying into the enemy's camp, the, 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 the territory that we are taking back for the kingdom of God is filled with all kinds of things that can wound us and hurt us. And so we must have our feet protected by the gospel of peace. Amen. And that's why the Father says, where you're going to go in my house, He says, I'm going to send you in my covering, and I'm going to send you in my name and under my authority, and you're going to go as my son, and you're going to walk in places. And he says, but out of my grace, I'm going to protect the very foundation that you have. And because if my feet are wounded, amen. And I've talked about this before. The the, the part, uh, stand with me. I want my wife to come. If you stand, I'll I'll know that I need to hurry. And so... Because this next part, I could go on. As me and Jeff talked, I, I, I find, I'm, like a, I'm like a rabbit dog. You know, I'm like on a trail, on a trail, and then all of a sudden, and I'm gone. But when you look and you break down having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, it wasn't just a protection of the bottom of the feet. It was literally shin guards. It was a sandal with a with a piece of, of, of metal that came up all the way to, to guard the shin. The reason why was because as soldiers, as they would run through the field to attack a city, the enemy would go out there and they would take these short, sharp sticks and they would bury them in the ground pointed that way at an angle. And so if you didn't have these shin guards on, if you didn't have your feet properly shod, you could run and one of these sticks could stab you in the leg and you were useless at that point. Because there's snares along the way. The enemy sets snares along the way. But if I'll have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I can come against the enemy 
and I can advance against the enemy because I have on that preparation of the gospel of peace. I have on the robe of his righteousness and I carry with me the authority of his name. And with that, with those three things, nothing is impossible. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, nothing is impossible. Amen. That's the beautiful thing. Because as we return to the Father's house, His grace is extended. And Paul said it, His grace is sufficient. His grace is enough to welcome us home but to also carry us forward in a new life, in a new covenant. And so today, here in just a few minutes, we're going to baptize a few here. But before we do that, and before these, the two that are being baptized are children, before these two children step into a brand new covenant with the Father, I want to allow everyone in here that wishes to have an opportunity to maybe step out of your seat where you stand today and come to the front of this, this building here and present your rags to the Father. Yeah. So as you close your eyes today, because you see, He desires to meet you here. And He desires to change your garments this morning. So I want to I want to give you an opportunity if you've come this morning to this service and you've enjoyed worship and, and you stand here today and there's some things that have gone on in your life and you feel like all you have are rags, I want, you, I want to invite you to step out from where you stand right now and just begin to walk toward the front of this, of this building and give you an opportunity to present Present your life. Present your rags to the Lord, to the Heavenly Father that stands here waiting. Amen. And so as it isn't uncomfortable for anybody, I want to invite the whole church to step out from where you're at right now. I want us to come down here as a family. Because you see, He desires to change somebody's garments today. He desires to change your future here this morning. And if we'll just, if we'll just present ourselves to Him. So as my wife.